welcome to desi return diaries embracing home again the podcast that shares personal journeys and expert insights on returning to india i'm your host avinash pedi here to guide and inspire you on your desi return journey hello welcome to another episode of desi return Today, uh, we have another guest. Uh, it's Abhishek, who have lived in US for 14 years. And he is currently on a sabbatical, uh, exploring to start his own startup. Um, so really excited to talk to him as he's planning to do the startup in India uh, about, um, you know, his uh, journey and how it's been going on. Uh, with that, um, welcome to the show, Abhishek. Thank you so much, Avinash, for the invitation. I'm really uh, happy to be here. Today. That's great. So, uh, Abhishek, if you can give a bit of a background for our audience, um, that would be very helpful. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, hi, everyone. I'm Abhishek Gupta. Uh, I'm currently an associate professor at The Ohio State University. And as Avinash mentioned, I'm right now spending my sabbatical in Bangalore. Uh, I have uh, been in the U.S. for 14 years. I went there in 2009 to start my uh, PhD at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign uh, and since 2015 onwards I've been employed at the Ohio State University. So I was an assistant professor earlier and now recently I got promoted to associate professor and uh, we get a one-year sabbatical leave to uh, do whatever the heck we want to do. So I started a company called Rewardwise which is basically uh, an app for small businesses to start their own loyalty program or membership program or rental program. So that's what our app is. I was, our app is providing a platform for multiple businesses to uh, provide those kind of services to their customers and customers can look at uh, all their different activities within the app. So that's our startup in a nutshell for which I'm here in Bangalore and uh, building our uh, business here in Bangalore. Great. So thank you very much, Abhishek, for that uh, you know, background. So uh, when did you move back or like, you know, when did you, you know, come for sabbatical to India? Yeah, so I came here on 4th of July, uh, technically, which is an independence day in the US. So uh, so on, on 4th of July, we landed in India. And since then, I've been continuously living in Bangalore. That's great. So maybe uh, we can dive a little bit into uh, your experience of um, building a startup in Bangalore and how has it been going um, you know, especially there are a lot of people who are thinking about, you know, doing their own startup. Um, uh, so it could be definitely be very helpful to uh, get your journey and your insights and your experience uh, doing a startup, setting it up and uh, trying to build a team and so on. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, I think it's a very, very fascinating question. Uh, so my wife is a, a, a small business owner in uh, Columbus, Ohio. She runs her own company called Chaibag.com. Uh, so I have seen her struggle firsthand with respect to both customer acquisition as a as a new company. How exactly do you acquire customers and how exactly do you engage with customers and sort of gamify the process of uh, uh, buying items from her. So I've seen it firsthand, seen her struggle firsthand. And so I thought that maybe within the small business space, there is a lot of opportunity to build a company which is. Uh, serving as a way for businesses to small businesses to both interact with their customers and try to 
communicate what value they are bringing in their life, in their customer's life uh, somewhat easily. And that's what our uh, startup is about. So, uh, so that's the background on where we, where I uh, found the inspiration for doing, uh, for starting my company. Uh, later on, when I thought that I wanted to do a startup, the whole idea is you need to be where the customers are. Uh, so I am very fascinated by the Indian markets as such. Uh, in Indian markets, the way the selling happens right now is completely offline. And as India is moving towards becoming a $5 trillion and $10 trillion economy, a lot of the, uh, these, some of the uh, offline businesses that are happening will have to move online. Uh, we've already seen that in the restaurant space. So, so that's why I feel that uh, even though a U.S. market is predominantly online already, Indian markets will be moving online from the offline space. So right now, if I want to make an appointment with a, uh, with a spa, I have to call them up and then they will tell me, okay, these are the time slots which are available and you know, then I'll book an appointment and then all that, uh, I'll show up and all that. Now a lot of those things can be done online, but they have not yet gotten online. So I'm trying to tap into that particular opportunity. And because most of the new businesses are opening up in India, uh, I felt that India is the right market to enter. Whereas uh, uh, US is a fairly mature market. Everyone has their own systems in place in order to run their business. So therefore I didn't feel that the US market would be the right market to enter. So that's why I'm here in India. Uh, of course, I, I hired some of the software engineers and so on early on, like last year. So before I came here for about a year, I already had software engineers and so on working on building the product. So we went through multiple iterations and so on before I arrived in Bangalore. But now we have a stable product that is already out there on App Store. So yeah, so my development team is also in India, but it's distributed. Uh, and then my uh, market is also like we are targeting Indian markets uh, because I feel that this is a growing market and hopefully people will be more open to using software for improving their workflow. That's great. So that's great, Abhishek. So uh, sounds like I think you have the market, uh, which is India. And uh, you know uh, this is something that has started about a year back. So are there some logistics that you can explain? Like, I don't know the ease of administrative process of opening or starting a company, like even like hiring the team, anything that you can share. I think that would be valuable uh, in terms of the bureaucracy, right? I think that's another question that people have in mind. How right. is it easy to do like business in India and anything changed and so on? Right, right. I think the way you should, uh, so if, if, if anyone is trying to start a company in India, being in the US, I think it's a, fairly uphill battle, uh, even though there's all this uh, talk about the ease of doing business and so on, it's actually not that easy. Uh, if you are a foreign resident uh, trying to start company in India, to, to be precise, uh, as if even as a Indian citizen residing abroad, you become a non-resident Indian. Because you are a non-resident for tax purposes, you really have to have an Indian co-founder. Uh, someone who's resident of India as a co-founder if you want to start an Indian company. Now, as soon as you start a company, you need to have an office location. So I'm assuming that people will be opening private limited, which is the equivalent to C corporation in the US. Uh, so they need an Indian co-founder, an Indian resident co-founder, uh, because that's how they will create a, a private limited company. 
and then they need to have uh, an office address in India, and then they need to file for GST, then they need to go to all the telecom department and whatnot and try to get uh, registrations to get their OTP functional and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of uh, requirements uh, in India that that are hidden requirements in the sense that you cannot find it written anywhere on the on on a website. Uh, but as you start doing like step one, you realize that there is a step zero that you haven't completed. So you go back and start doing step zero, which will take you one month. Then you come to step one. Then you will realize that there is some step one A that you had missed. And so now step one A needs to be done and so on and so forth. So that's the process in India. And therefore, I did not like I've been trying to form my own company in India, but it has, as I've mentioned, it's a difficult challenge for me to start a company in India. So what I did was I already have a U.S. company. Uh, so uh, in U.S., it's very easy. You start a company uh, and then after that, you can just uh, get an EIN number from uh, IRS fairly quickly. Uh, and then if you want to onboard merchants, you can apply to Stripe stripe.com and you can get access to their payment gateway like within a day or two so all in all you know the entire process in us is like a three four day long process whereas in india you can continue to keep doing things uh, for several months and still not make much progress uh, if you are a foreign resident trying to start company in india on the other hand if you're an indian resident trying to start company in india uh, the thing is fairly straightforward and there isn't much problem as such in order to do that. So nonetheless, if you want to get access to the payment gateways like Razorpay or Paytm and so on and so forth, it really takes a lot of effort for you to get through their customer, customer success team or whatever that team is called. So anyways, that's been my experience so far. Uh, we still don't have access to a payment gateway, by the way, uh, despite having all the paperwork done and everything. So you know, that's the state of affairs uh, as far as the trying to start a company in India is concerned. But once you're able to get through the initial hurdle, I hope that the process after that is smooth, but I can come to that uh, maybe like six, seven months later. Okay, yeah. Again, thanks for sharing your uh, experience thus far and especially like, you know, starting the company <laughs> living abroad and some of the challenges there uh, and also some of the things uh, that you have experienced. Right. Uh, so I'm also assuming that you have chosen uh, Bangalore for a specific reason uh, when you are trying to do, I mean, compared to like, you know, maybe living close to the family or uh, maybe right. anything that you can share some insights in terms of like when you are selecting a particular city in India, uh, how did you go about it and uh, uh, and right. any, anything that you can share there? Yeah, yeah definitely. So my, pa my parents live in Patna. Uh, now, Patna doesn't really have a tech ecosystem as such. So therefore, I didn't want to be in Patna. I wanted to be close to where a lot of the tech companies are located. So that that brings me to Gurgaon, Mumbai, and Bangalore. Those are the three places, and, and Hyderabad. Uh, four places with predominantly with a lot of tech companies. Chennai is sort of also upcoming uh, tech hub in India. Uh, now, if you look at all these five places, Bangalore has happens to have the best air quality. Uh, besides also have a ha have a very thriving uh, tech ecosystem and so on. So that's predominantly the reason the air quality was like the highest, the most important reason for choosing Bangalore as our base rather than any of the other cities. I was more inclined towards going to uh, Mumbai 
but my wife didn't want to be in Mumbai uh, due to the high cost of living as well as low air quality. Uh, so that's how we ended up uh, being in Bangalore. But I don't regret being in Bangalore at all. The real estate is comparatively cheaper in comparison to Mumbai. Uh, the tech ecosystem is very, very strong here and people are extremely collaborative. Although I, I would say that for all the cities in the country, but certainly people in Bangalore are very collaborative. So that has also been a big, big boon. Uh, but we didn't go to Patna because Patna really doesn't have a tech ecosystem as that. So that's why we didn't want to be there. Great. So maybe just uh, switching the gears a little bit from a startup to the other one. So now that you have chosen the Bangalore, and so in terms of the logistics, even for the sabbatical move, anything right. that you want to highlight, maybe because it's a, like a sabbatical, so maybe the logistics are a little right. bit different. And how did you go about it? Yeah. So I wouldn't say the logistics are any different. Uh, we had to uh, leave our home and rent it out for to someone else uh, in the US. So. Uh, for that, we had to empty our whole house, put our, most of our stuff in storage, and then we needed to come to India. Uh, as far as uh, signing a lease is concerned, we signed the lease remotely uh, in the sense that when we were in the US, that's when we signed the lease. Uh, that happened to be a good uh, uh, experience. It turns out that you know in the US, it's generally said that do not sign a remote lease. You have to go and physically inspect the property and this and that before you sign the lease. Uh, we didn't really follow that particular procedure for India because technically in India, not much cheating happens at the time of signing the lease. So you can watch the things remotely and the, the uh, real estate agent will take care of a lot of the signing, uh, signing part of it. So once we came here, uh, there is a little bit of challenge in trying to use your US card on Amazon.in and, and some of the other websites. Uh, so we faced a few like fraud detection and all those things that gets raised if you're using your card in India. But after we informed all our credit card companies several times, uh, so I'm talking about credit card companies in the US, when we informed them several times that we are in India and we did a lot of transactions, failed transactions several times, then eventually now none of my transaction gets canceled because I'm using a US card. So So now I'm able to use most of the us uh, my us card for most of the things including for buying gasoline in my car or for uh, buying things on amazon so i have not faced any issues with respect to using my us card for running transactions so i think overall i think the whole process was fairly smooth uh, and we didn't really have any uh, adventure uh, negative adventure uh, through the whole process. Uh, I don't know if you have any other specific questions related to our move, then I can maybe expand yeah. on. I, I think I was maybe more curious because in somebody who is already like made a decision moving permanently, it's a little bit of other logistics such as like right. selling their items, you know, permanently right. closing accounts or consolidating and there are other aspects that come. Yeah, right, right, right. In the case yeah. of a sabbatical, it's just going to be a long vacation, you know, which oh, is like you will look uh, in a different perspective. Uh, no, so no, actually, no. Uh, I, okay, so maybe I should add a little bit here. So last year we had come to India for a, a few months, a couple of months in 2022. And that's when we did a lot of the dirty things that needs to be done before you enter India. So for instance, we got a phone number on a postpaid account uh, using my mother-in-law as a family owner, family account owner or something like that. So once I got the phone number, then I also opened a bank account in India, uh, NRO, NRE account in yeah. India. 
and then on the nro account i could uh, i could uh, do upi transaction so i uh, connected my indian phone number to my nro account and then through that i was able to do upi transaction so overall i did all of this stuff uh, before i came to before i came to india this time so i already had my upi set up i already had an indian phone number set up but if you are moving to india and you think that you will get a phone number in the first week itself it's going to be a big uphill battle and once you get your phone number then getting a bank account and getting it linked to your your phone number so that you can do upi transaction that's another hurdle that you need to pass through so once all of this happens which we did last year so therefore we didn't have to do it this year uh, but i think that's a hurdle that you should probably pass before you plan on moving permanently to india because i think those are sort of important uh, fintech stuff one needs to do before they come to india otherwise yeah. uh, it will become a challenge for sure i mean i think it's almost like you're starting your own uh, journey right i mean your own life you know which has its a different mechanism such as uh, the upi the payments and all that stuff so um, yeah but maybe i was more talking about some of the things that you wind up in us or in foreign right. countries we didn't have to wind up, any up anything because you, you it's a situation is different right 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 and uh, maybe uh, yeah i know i don't know if you mentioned about like you know your uh, kids right and how old yes. they are and then maybe you know how did you go about finding a school and how are they adapting um, in india so far definitely so uh, i have two daughters 5 year old and 3 year old um so my 3 year old daughter goes to nursery here uh, at oak ridge international school and my 5 year old daughter is in the early years program 1 eyp 1 uh, at again oak ridge international school uh, so they actually settled down in india fairly quickly again because they had they remember their previous visit a year ago uh, so they they knew what they were expecting uh, they came here we got them admitted to the school the school admission process was fairly straightforward uh and uh, yeah and now they are going to school on a school bus school bus is their best time of the day uh they really look forward to going into the school bus in the morning and coming back from school bus in the afternoon so uh that has certainly worked out for us very well um yeah and other than that i think they uh they have also had a lot of friends within the society so in us you know you want to find a person of your age you have to walk half a mile to have the next door which has a kid of your age uh, but in india you know you just have to go down the elevator and you have like 500 kids of your age so uh, so they have really found a very vibrant uh, friend circle here in in uh, bangalore uh, within our apartment complex and we keep going to each other's place uh, the kids also were able to sign up for a lot of classes uh, after coming to bangalore so we live in a society where we have a swimming pool where we have a basketball court we have a skating rink and so on and so forth uh, so they got themselves into drawing class dancing class uh, skating class swimming class uh, so they got they got themselves admitted into all these different classes some of which run once a week some of which runs twice a week or thrice a week so we we know what the frequencies are and so we take them to appropriate classes and and uh, and so on so they are really having a very very good time here in india in comparison to in the us in us it was so difficult to get them into classes uh, it used to be very expensive but relatively speaking like coming from the us to india I, suddenly the classes become very cheap and and you would want to send them to as many classes and learn from 
the experts uh, on on how to do things. So my older daughter has uh, learned a lot of the swimming aspects, and uh, she's also able to skate now fairly uh, easily. So we are very excited about some of these newer developments that we could not see in the US because it's so difficult, but it, here it's it's very easy to get them started on some of these things. Looks like a lot of progress in like three to four months. So seems like they're yeah, yeah, exactly. with so many uh, friends, uh, yeah. which is very close by and, uh, you know, with a lot of options to explore. Their yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, so we tried, we explored about 20 classes for each of each of the girls. And then finally, we found like three, four classes that were very aligned with their interests and what they wanted to learn. So, you know, that's how. But the fact that you can actually try 20 classes and figure out like the four that works best for you within your budget, I think it's a big deal. Uh, living in the US, I can tell you that it's really a big deal. Yeah. So, so we are very excited about that aspect of living in Bangalore. That's great. And how has the social life been, uh, you know, living in India for you, for your wife and uh, in general in uh, in Bangalore? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things one would expect uh, being in the US that India is somewhat different and that people are more outgoing and so on and so forth. We haven't found that to be very true. So there are some there are some nuances to it. So, for instance, within our society, uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, festivals. Like the festival organization is at a really next level where there is a dance and there is a stage and there are performers and there are like the, all the society people are also performing. So that aspect is, that uh, that social aspect is very, very strong and very, very uh, good. Like much, much better than what we had expected. On the other hand, if you are expecting people to meet you on day-to-day -day basis, I think that's the part where it's a bit more challenging. Primarily because people who are earning at a certain stage of their career, uh, they are required to be on call for significant chunk of time. As a result of which, you cannot really have an evening tea time, which you know our parents would have with their colleagues and so on. Here, it seems less likely to be able to just call someone on a weekday evening and have some have a chat with them. Uh, primarily because some of them are working in U.S. companies, so their work timings are actually in the evening. Uh, or some of them are working in Indian company, but those Indian companies are working with U.S. companies. So by default, you report to work at 10 a.m., but you still have U.S. client meetings in the evening. So uh, during the weekday, it's been difficult. During the weekend, you can always find time to go out and socialize in, in, in a restaurant or some other place. Uh, and then we have had a few uh, people with whom uh, we have had like dinners together or we have had chai time together on weekends. So those are also things that happens, but it's not as common as one would imagine sitting in the US. Yeah. And as you said, rightly said, I think it's just uh, different stages of the life and uh, yes. it also depends on uh, the society, the community, the kind of... Uh, you know, right. the profile of the people in a sense, right. like the business and uh, like, you know, work culture and all that stuff. But That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, maybe is there anything, you know, from uh, before, like taking this sabbatical leave to be in India, like, is there some expectations that you have versus the reality, right? I mean, on any broad spectrum, like, you know, uh, anything yeah. that you can share, like um, from your expectation to the reality, you know, from this three to four months of living here. Yeah, I think uh, the 
uh, I mean, the only major expectations we had was that when we come to India, people will have a lot of time to spend and, uh, you know, you can socialize a lot outside. Uh, turns out that that particular is the only expectation that wasn't met. But other than that, I think all the other expectations are met. Uh, some expectations are, of course, met beyond expectation. Uh, like I said about the festival season, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, my wife is extremely happy. She's going out for different kinds of dancing uh, events within our society. Like there was a Durga Puja event, then there is a Diwali event and so on and so forth. So we'll keep going out for some of these uh, events. She, 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 she goes out for a lot of those cultural events. Uh, my daughters have started participating in cultural events also. I didn't really expect them to start participating at such an early stage. Uh, but actually, you know, within like three or four months, they are ready to participate on on, on stages and so on. Uh, so I'm really uh, like that. That's something we would not have expected in the US, but certainly it turns out to be the case in, in India. Uh, on the other hand, of course, we do miss uh, some of the things about the US, such as uh, uh, being able to, like at least in Columbus, everything is 20 minutes away. Like in 20 minutes, you can literally go to the outskirts of the city. So the fact that you can just pick up your car and be anywhere, anytime, because there isn't much traffic on the road and, and the air quality is really very good. That's something you we definitely miss in Bangalore. Uh, but certainly the fact that we can have help at home and uh, uh, we can have drivers. If we don't want to drive our own car, we can just hire a driver to do it for us. And India is a very, very deep into the gig economy thing. So you can really hire drivers for four hours if you need them only for four hours and you don't want to do the driving. So all of those facilities are there in India now. Uh, a lot of it, by the way, is OTP driven. So you really need to have an Indian SIM card and an Indian working number on day one uh, before you enter India. So uh, I would I would suggest that people who are planning to come to India for long term, they should definitely at least get a bank account number, link it with their Indian phone number and get their UPI thing sorted out. I think those three things, once you do it, then you can literally do anything in India and, and you wouldn't have to have any any problem. But but anyways, yeah, I, what I was saying is that it's really very easy to get all kinds of help in India. Uh, so certainly that has been a very, very uh, good thing for us, specifically now that we are starting our own company and we need to be on call 24-7 for various activities related to clients. So. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thanks for sharing uh, your thoughts there. So are there any topics that we haven't covered that uh, you would like to, you know, bring up or, uh, uh, you know, or talk about? Uh not really. I think uh, as far as the travel is concerned, travel within India is concerned, we haven't really done a lot of travel yet. So we don't know. Um, we don't have any recommendations as to what are good places to travel versus not so good places to travel. Uh, but once we'll have, I mean, once we settle down in India and we have like set, set up our business, I think we'll have more time to travel and we'll be able to give feedback on that as well. But other than that, I think. Uh, you know, for other aspects of life, I think the we have already covered everything that I wanted to discuss. Okay, that's great. I know this might be an unusual question. Feel free to say like, uh, you know, you don't want to answer or we can punt it off. Just curious because you are in the academics, uh, right. you know, area, right? I think uh, 
maybe is there anything that you can compare and contrast, especially maybe for the families uh, who have kids growing up and they're thinking about living in US versus in India, maybe not in like a primary, like, you know, education, but maybe in the secondary or like uh, when they get to, uh, you know, bachelors and so on. So again, uh, if you have information and if you would like to, you know, share your insights or your knowledge, I think it, it could be something that could be helpful. Just curious because you are in that uh, domain. I thought I wanted to get your thoughts there. Yeah, I think, you know, so uh, let me tell you, so I do have some thoughts on that, but uh, certainly you are asking, uh, so so depending on at what stage of career people are moving from US to India, uh, they will have different requirements. So for instance, if they want to send their kids to undergraduate right away, so I can talk about undergraduate and above because at university, that's the yes. part that I see. And maybe uh, just to uh, maybe position that question also, like even though some people might be moving here um, while, they, while the kids are still in the early stage, right? I mean, right. You know, they're still in the third grade, fourth grade or in the primary education, but right. just because they are going through this um, IB curriculum or uh, you know the uh, the different curriculums, which is much more international, so they are designed more to like kind of doing the undergrad internationally than locally right. because they're not right. like it. So it exactly. could also apply for them. So it's just exactly. more of a train of a thought in terms of what curriculum they might want to put the kid in, right? I mean, CBSE versus IGSE versus IB. Right. So again, you know, just wondering again, maybe primarily from a university perspective, yeah. Got it, got it. Okay, understood. So I think the international curriculum uh, certainly prepares you very well for building your resume to get into one of the international universities, I mean, one of the best universities internationally. So whether it's NUS in Singapore or whether it's universities in Europe or in the US, uh, they actually structure their whole academic program in a way that you get a lot of brownie points that are needed so that when you apply, you have all those brownie points. Like for instance, you have done some service, you have done some non-profit activities, you have raised some funding, this and that, like a lot of those things are needed. CBSE schools will not really get into all that nitty gritty. ICSE schools will also be just focusing more on academic side of things. Uh, but international curriculum will try to sort of give you a lot more exposure. I, I mean, not you, but the kids, a lot more exposure about some of these things which will prepare them for uh, university admissions in the US and internationally. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the question is whether doing uh, 15, 10, 15, 20 years later, would a US university education, uh, would the Indian university education be as good as a US university education? I think the answer to that question is, uh, as far as engineering is concerned, they are actually at par already. So there's no difference, not much difference between Indian education in engineering and US education in engineering, as far as the undergraduate is concerned. Even if you go for master's or PhD, I think IITs and IISCs also have very similar standards as the US universities have. The real problem comes when it comes to getting a job. So in US, there are a lot more high-tech jobs wherein your skill sets are actually needed to deliver on the job. Whereas in India, that's actually not the case. A lot of the times you have to learn things on the fly to carry out your jobs. And some of those high-tech jobs are missing at the moment. Uh, now, what is true is a lot of U.S. companies are setting up their R&D centers in India. 
Um, so if that starts happening in greater proportion, 5, 10, 15 years down the line, then I think even if you want to get your undergraduate and uh, PhD from India and want to continue working in some of those companies, I think that would be an excellent opportunity. Uh, however, of course, US is known to be a world leader in the tech space. So uh, if you are doing your undergraduate from a US university and a master's or PhD from US university, then the rest of the world opens up for you. But I will tell you that not many jobs are there in, in the high tech space. So I come from the AI and data science area. That's my core research area. And there is a huge glut of uh, very high, highly talented data science uh, students in in the US right now. And it's very difficult for them to find a job in the US. So a lot of people who went from India to the US thinking that they'll do a master's in data science and then they'll get a job in the US. They're not able to do that right now because uh, there is just too many data science people in the US and not much demand from the industry. So those kind of market realities can hit at some point of time. But, uh, you know, that's why I, I'm not able to make a projection over the next 15, 20 years. Uh, but as far as the schooling is concerned, I think international curriculum prepares you to apply for some of these uh, universities in the US and Europe. So hopefully right. that will be helpful. I think you answered that question. It's more on this school curriculum and, uh, you know, how well the uh, the student is prepared to take on that, right? I mean, whether the opportunities are going to be there or not, it's just Correct. when it's like you Very know, hard to, years, yeah. 15 years, uh, depending Correct. on, you know, the new technologies, because it's just growing at such a rapid pace. That's uh, right. Things are evolving. So that's right. And a lot of things are getting commoditized. I think that's the other problem. Uh, 10 years ago, if you wanted to train a model, you really needed a data scientist to come and, you know, set up the whole experiment. And now, you know, it's a matter of a few seconds. You download TensorFlow and you can start doing all kinds of data science stuff, like within a few seconds. Uh, so it's just, you know, things have been commoditized to an extent that you don't really need a lot of specialized skill set. And that's going to continue happening. And that's going to continue to change the job market quite significantly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so thanks a lot, uh, Abhishek, on that. So um, is there anything that you want to advise or suggest people who are thinking about uh, relocating, you know, either for doing the startup or even trying to test the waters or anything, right? I mean, anything from your perspective that you want to share with the audience here? Yeah, I think the, the startup ecosystem, so let me divide my answers into two parts. So one is set of people who want to come to India and work in India. Uh, I think in those situations, uh, most of the people that I have found who have moved to India from US or from other countries, including European countries, uh, they tend to stick to their original employers and they just move their office from US office, they've moved to Indian office or from uh, European office, they've moved to Indian office. So that seems to be the easiest way to, for people to move. Uh, and that is uh, tried and tested in the sense that a lot of people are doing that. Like our society is full of people who are doing that kind of stuff. Uh, the second type of people who might be coming for startups, then of course, you're not uh, looking at the work culture in India. You literally are setting up the work culture for your own company. So you can set up however way you want to set up. And I think there is ample amount of talent to hire for your own startup. How you get funding to run that startup is certainly something you need to think about. And how would you reach out to your customers is something that you would have to think about very carefully if you're coming to the Indian market. Uh, the 
the only problem comes if you are coming from us to india but you need to take up a position in an indian company then you really have to be very careful about who your managers are what kind of work culture does that company has and and things like that like you have to do your due diligence before you take up a position in india because without doing due diligence i think uh, a lot of people who are coming from the us who have been in the us work culture which is very 9 to 5 oriented uh, or 8 to 5 oriented they find it very difficult to uh, get accustomed to the indian work culture which is uh, which flows all the way into the evening and night Uh, and sometimes even on evenings and weekends so so anyways that's something i think people will have to think about but i believe uh, yeah most of the people would be just transferring their own position from a us company to an indian company to their indian subsidiary and that's not that difficult then life is fairly straightforward and easy okay great so i think that's all i have uh, from my side so thank you very much abhishek for taking the time and sharing your thoughts especially the points on the startup and how the kids are getting settled and uh, your insights in terms of the education system uh, you know the schooling at both uh, here in india as well as in us um, i really appreciate you taking the time and uh, sharing your insights and good luck with everything with your company and uh, with uh, you know what are the decision you make uh, uh, so really appreciate you taking the time and talking to us thank you avinash thank you very much for your time that's great sure